Hey, podcast listeners, Mackenzie here. I wanted to personally thank you for listening and being a part of our community. We couldn't do this show without you. As we shape the next series of the Living Centered Podcast, I wanted to invite you specifically to help us out. We want to hear from you. We're currently in the process of curating a series all around exploring the relationships that make up our lives. Together with various experts, clinicians, and on-site alum, we'll explore the nuances, intricacies, and impact of the relationships within which we all exist. From families of origin to friendships, dating, working relationships, and beyond. We hope to host conversations with guests who bring a definitive and unique perspective. This is where you come in. We want to know your pressing relationship questions. You can submit your questions to podcast at experienceonsite.com and you might just hear an answer on our next series. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. And I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. Hey friends, welcome to a very special episode of the Living Centered Podcast. I got the opportunity to sit down with a few members of the on-site team to talk all about their mental health. As you may or may not know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and the theme this year is Together for Mental Health. What better way to celebrate Mental Health Month than to bring in a few of my favorites and have them share with you a little bit about their mental health journey, what they're learning, and leave you with a little bit of advice and encouragement today. So, Y'all, let's talk about mental health, because I think despite all the advancements, all the people talking about it in culture, all the destigmatization that we're seeing everywhere, it's still something that a lot of us feel a lot of shame about. And it's something that we don't think we have permission to talk about, to deal with, to really look at and prioritize until the wheels are falling off. And here at OnSite, we want people to care about their mental health every single day because it's a part of just that, their health. The same way that we can care about our physical health by eating well, by getting enough sleep, by moving our bodies, there are also things that we can do to care for our mental health every single day. Uh, We talk a lot here about the two-degree shift, those small, sustainable changes that over time make the most significant change in our lives. So a couple of years ago, I looked at the definition of mental health, and I would say that it was paradigm shifting for me. So the actual definition of mental health from the World Health Organization is a state of well-being in which the individual realizes their own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Y'all, that's not how we think about our mental health. And so I think it's a little bit of a shift that we need to make. And what better time to do that than May? because it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I really think the aim needs to be not getting rid of the stress, but about building muscle around it. And about doing the things that we know will prop up our mental health and make us stronger because life's not gonna be easy. No matter how idyllic of a life, we're still gonna encounter adversity. We're still gonna encounter hard times and trauma and difficulty. And so it's about building the muscle and bringing in the support to help repair the narratives that are holding us down. Our chairman, Miles Adcox, often says, it's not what's wrong with you, it's what's right with you. We all have mental health. So I'm so excited for you to hear from our team today. 
And I hope that you hear a little bit of your own story and what they have to share. You're going to be hearing from a couple of different voices today. And to help you distinguish who you're hearing from, I'm going to have them state their name and their role here at OnSite. My name is Abby Stevenson, and I am the digital media specialist at OnSite. My name is Andrew Bearden, and I'm the program manager for all of our workshops and intensives. My name is Jeremy Hopper, and I'm the instructional design and technology manager here at OnSite. Hi, I am Joe Carroll Cohen. I work as Miles's assistant, which means every day looks a little different, sometimes similar, but mostly just running around. Uh, my name is Tara Booker, and my role is I'm an adjunct therapist in the Milestones program. Y'all, we have a good team. I'm so excited for you to get to know them a little bit more. The first questions that I asked everyone who sat down next to me was for them to kind of take me through their own mental health journey, a few of the high points and a little bit of the story, and to kind of land on what do they know now that they wish that they knew before about their mental health. And the answers were so beautiful. I think it's things that we all need to hear. And I loved getting to hear the story and pull back the curtain a little bit of how they came to these conclusions. And I think sometimes we we know something, but it has to fully settle into our spirit and then we live it out. And I really think everyone who sat across from me lives out these things. My first experience with mental health was um, I had a very close friend who attempted to take their own life. And that friend was someone I was very close to and one of the only people I felt comfortable talking about some of those like scars on my heart from traumas I had experienced. And it made me fearful because they were the person I was closest to, Um, not only because I was worried about them, but also because I was nervous that I would head down a similar route if I didn't talk to someone and seek guidance and advice. And so then that led to me going to my first therapist. Mm -hmm. And since then I've been to three. This third one is by far my favorite. So I'm a big like supporter of the idea that you have to kind of search to find the right person. But yeah, through therapy, then I've had a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. pretty much that whole time. And then through programs and other resources like books, podcasts, I've been able to really strengthen my understanding of some of the things that I dealt with and continue to deal with every day. It's like a constant journey, and I think that's something I wish I had also figured out sooner, that you can't just like put a Band-Aid on things and then, wow, everything's over. My mental health journey, that was great. It was a year and it's over. On Easter of 2019, I came home from church, and it was Easter. It's our big day in the Christian faith community, and I was sitting in my bed, and I just felt like something was wrong. Mm. Like, I've had no energy, no drive. My wife was like, what's wrong with you? You're not like this. And that kind of started a journey. I burned out in 2018 really bad from Mm -hmm. working three jobs at the same time because that was a good idea. (laughs) And... um, and so I, I, you know, finally saw a doctor, got diagnosed mm. with depression, anxiety. Some other things have kind of come along the way. And so for me, it's it's kind of been this journey of like, okay, what's wrong with me versus now um, what's part of me? Mm. And how do I use that to kind of rewrite my story? Mm, that's a great distinction. I love that. So what do you feel like you wish that you had known then that you know now? Yeah, that 
mental illness is uh, just as married as physical illness. Mm-hmm. That, you know, for me, having me spraining my ankle and just recovery to that is very similar to me uh, realizing, you know, some things are off chemically and needing to rehabilitate that uh, just, as, just as fairly. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think we always talk about um, emotional fitness being a concept and how we can do things every day the same way we do with our physical fitness to mm-hmm. care for our mental wellness. So that's awesome. I started seeing a therapist when I was 30. That was a big kind of turning point or, you know, guidepost in my life, I guess. And what I thought at the time that I've now realized is I thought that mental health meant seeing a therapist. That's kind of what I thought it encompassed was just like talking to somebody one-on-one like I had seen on TV. Um, What I realize now is there's so much more that goes into that um, being like friend relationships, food that you eat, your happiness, your safety, but all of that can go into how you process all of those things, I think kind of goes into your mental health or into my mental health. And then having somebody to talk to and kind of offload a bunch of that has been really helpful for me um, as I've progressed through different stages of life. Yeah, I've gone through different seasons of it where I've gone once a week, I've gone once a month um, and everything kind of in between. And I am in talk therapy now. I love who I'm seeing and we incorporate different, um, she incorporates different modalities. I started with just a a kind of a basic one-on-one talk therapist. And then as I've learned more and learned about different modalities, kind of ventured out to see somebody that kind of has a lot in their toolbox to help me um, with things I need to work on. Before starting here at Onsite, um, I don't think I really had a mental health journey per se. You know, I had, I certainly had an appreciation for mental health. I was definitely an advocate for it. You know, I had some existing knowledge of, you know, concepts and practices and things like that, but I never really invested in a whole lot of, I guess, self-reflection, internal reflection. Um, I mean, I'm always kind of reflecting on myself in general, but I never took that mental health approach to it. So, you know, after starting here at Onsite and as the instructional designer for the team, I've been going through a lot of content and material um, in order to rebuild some of our digital offerings. And I think I've been learning a lot since I started here. One of the things that's really stuck out to me the most, I think, is Onsite's approach to trauma. You know, when I first saw Onsite's um, reframing and kind of redefinition of trauma, it really struck a chord with me um, because we reframe it as anything less than nurturing. And I will confess that I was one of those people that before seeing that, when I thought of the word trauma, I definitely, you know, thought of PTSD. And I think like most people, you know, we think trauma, PTSD, war veterans and war. And so we kind of have this concept in our mind that trauma is something that's really only um, available for those who have been through a war scale event. And so I, I was kind of one of those people where I saw trauma as kind of this big thing. It, it was it had kind of a qualification to it. You definitely had to meet a certain standard or pass a certain threshold in order to qualify for trauma. And so seeing on-site's kind of reframing of that word you know, it it really helped me grasp the bigger picture. Um, And I started to kind of analyze how, 
you know, the past has affected my present. Uh, it's allowed me to give grace to myself and to others because, you know, we're all just doing the best we can with the tools that we have. And so even if I did experience trauma in the past, you know, and if it was inflicted by a certain person or a certain event, I can say, you know, it was just the best that could be done at that time with the tools available. Um, so it's not about, you know, assigning blame to anyone or anything like that. It's about just reframing it in your head and allowing yourself to cope with it, to deal with it, and to, you know, give yourself the grace and the permission to continue on and be better and do the best that you can. So I think I think that that is what has really struck the chord of me. And if I could go back and inform myself of this at an earlier date, I definitely would because it is immensely valuable, I think. I mean, really, I didn't know about mental health until I was in college. I, I wasn't exposed to that as a resource, as a part of healthcare, as a part of life, um, really on any personal level um, until I was in college studying social work and kind of introducing myself into that world. So I would love to know that it existed before I was working in the field. And then I think something that maybe is a little more specific is I think to know that it is very broad in its nature. I think people have a very, very narrow view about what mental health services are, what therapy is, which is just one little leg of the whole mental health process. But it's so varied and unique and there's so much more individuality and you know, even just in therapy, there's a million different ways to do therapy, like so many different ways to do therapy. And um, yeah, I think I wish that even as a person who then once I discovered therapy and mental health resources, I wish I knew that there were a lot of more options than the ones that were maybe the most obvious or um, the most known about. One of my favorite questions to ask in a lot of situations is what is your best advice for yourself at X age? I think it's just a really interesting exercise and a great way to get to know people. But in the context of mental health, I asked them to say what would be their advice for their 16-year-old self? And I loved the answers. Gosh, my 16-year-old self, um, I have been thinking about this. I think my best advice to her would have been or would be don't be afraid to be heard. Have a voice, have an opinion, <clears throat> have interests, have goals, ideas, big ideas, little ideas, share them with people. Um, you don't always have to keep everything to yourself. I think that would serve her well. And that definitely, as I've started to unlock that at a much later age than 16, has begun to serve me really well. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I thought about it. And I also like to try to think about um, things that, that my 16-year-old self might actually hear, <laughs> like not maybe even listen to, but be able to hear, have ears for. I think it's a, just really simple what comes to mind is like, you're doing a great job. Like, I think that would be one of the biggest things, just you're doing a great job. I think most kids, humans, but especially at that age, like, 
it feels like you're trying to figure so much out, you know? Uh, and I think me in particular, I was really kind of perfectionist driven and was doing so many different things. And I look at my life now, look at my 16 year old self from my 34 year old point of view. And, uh, I'm like, I was great. Like I was doing a great, uh, so many things there. I feel really proud of, um, the life and the kid that I was and the things I was accomplishing and the friend that I was. And so I think that that's what she needed to hear. Hey friends, it's Mackenzie and Hannah here. And this month is mental health awareness month. And in celebration, we are committed to bringing you resources all month long that equip you in your mental health journey. At Ansai, our vision is to create an emotionally well world and have humanity reconnected. So we're on a mission to destigmatize mental health and emotional health. And all month long, we're bringing you social posts, free resources, special offers, and conversations. Yeah, and we're really excited about a couple, a set of conversations that Mackenzie and I created for bonus episodes of the podcast. And so every week of this month, you'll be getting a mini bonus episode from Mackenzie and I talking about things like how to talk about your mental health, how to ask for help, how to check in on a friend, and so much more. These conversations are so fun. And we also want to remind you that as a podcast listener, you always have a special $20 discount on any of our Emotional Wellness Masterclasses. Yeah, and if you haven't checked out these classes yet, I love them so much because they really make uh, mental health and emotional health topics really accessible. And so these are a great entry point if you want to start doing some of your own work, if you are doing some of your work and you want to take it a step further. Right now we have classes on emotions, on grief, on trauma, on relationships, and we're coming out with new ones all the time and we're so excited about them. So you can just head to onsiteworkshops.com slash classes and use the code podcast at checkout. Yeah, and make sure you're following along all month as we'll be sharing all sorts of fun resources and as we cheer you on in Mental Health Awareness Month. So, happy Mental Health Awareness Month. We are grateful for you, friends. So, as I stated at the top of the hour, we are doing this episode to kick off Mental Health Awareness Month. And the theme for Mental Health Awareness Month is Together for Mental Health. So, I ask our team members to answer, what does Together for Mental Health mean to you? And the answers were really beautiful. I think at Onsite, we are in a really beautiful ecosystem. And while we don't get it perfect all the time, I know that I'm in the company of people who care about their mental health and they care about their own emotional health enough to care about the emotional and mental health of the people around them. And it really is an environment where we get to see how we were made and hardwired for community. So often, community feels like a nice to have when really as human beings, it's an essential part of who we are. So I loved hearing our teammates share about what this phrase means to them. Okay, well, this might be a little cheesy because we are at onsite, but immediately I thought of onsite because so my onsite program, I did the Living Centered program in 2021 and it was definitely unconventional. I found out within 24 hours that I was able to go to the program. And I don't honestly know if I ever would have gone if it wasn't so quick. I am just a deeply anxious person. And I think whatever it was knew that I needed to go in a way that I wouldn't think about it and talk myself out of it. But that was my first experience with any sort of group therapy. I don't think I realized that group therapy was even an option. 
think I knew about family therapy. And then I had gone to a CODA meeting actually, and I'd gone to an AA meeting to support a friend. But beyond that, nothing in groups. So for me, I think mental health was very isolated. I was also the first person in my family to openly talk about going to therapy and the mental health journey that I went on. So at, at times I felt very alone in what I was thinking and feeling and experiencing. So then to be in a room with, you know, nine strangers was very daunting. Yeah. But I think some of the best work I have ever done for myself yeah. was sitting, getting to watch other people talk about their, you know, the scars on their heart and the trauma they've experienced and walking alongside them in that. And so I think thinking about the quote, you know, together for mental health. Now it's almost like, I guess if I think about mental health, there is like togetherness is such a huge part of it because I have made the boldest strides and the most progress with others in my mental health journey. Two words that stick out, one is together and one is for. Um, the idea of coming together, there being unity around the cause. Mm -hmm. I feel like especially in the last few years, we've seen a lot of unity come around big causes. Mm -hmm. And this is a great cause for unity. Mm -hmm. um, and then being for mental health, Something that really has stuck with me is I, I want to shatter the stigma of mental health. Yeah. And I, the word stigma has this really interesting definition. It's a mark of shame or discredit. Mm. So mental health as a stigma it would be a mark of shame or discredit. And it's not that. No. And so I think for me, this theme of together for mental health is really this idea of like, we're going to come together to shatter a stigma. The first thing I thought about was just as a therapist um, and I've been a client and a therapist so the thing that I love about therapy specifically is that it and the thing that I often will kind of remind clients of is that it's two human beings in the room like it's it's not a machine it's not something by themselves like it's a relational experience that actually is um, the conduit for the work to be done. And uh, so when I think about together, so much of our healing is is together. It's in the presence of another human being. There's a, a good, probably from the 12 steps, they have all the good mantras. I think like we're wounded in isolation, we heal in community. We're not meant to do this alone. You know, I think maybe we think we can, Maybe we think we should, you know, that it's our own cross to bear. Our mental health and well-being is our own problem, not others. We don't want to put that burden on anyone else. But having a community, even a small one with those that we hold dear, is very important. Having that support system can mean everything. Whether, uh, you know, we're looking for advice from those people, if we're looking for wisdom from them, maybe their past experiences, they've got some good advice that they can offer us to get through a situation, or if it's just asking them to hold space for us and just listen to us um, so that we have someone to vent to or kind of talk through things with, that support system can help us feel very seen, which is immensely valuable, I think, in the healing process. And even if we aren't actively looking to heal, maybe we're already in a good place, that community is still going to have value in keeping us in a good place. And, you know, I'm, I'm very introverted. I have my own neurodivergencies that I'm just now beginning to learn about. Um, so I am more withdrawn and uh, from social situations. I don't go out there a lot and everything. But 
just knowing that my wife, my family, my friends, that support system that I have, just knowing that they're there for me and willing to support me and provide me um, with just whatever I need in whatever situation, that has a good impact on my mental health and my willingness to continue and see my way through the journey. All right, friends, I love asking this question. You probably have heard me say it over and over and over again in different interviews, but I love to ask people what's a practice that keeps them centered. One, because we believe at OnSite um, that it is the small, sustainable changes over time, those two-degree shifts that make the largest and most significant impact in our lives. And so I invited our team to share the one practices that keep them centered. And here's what they had to say. Love mirror work. I mm. mirror work is something that was introduced to me, oh gosh, probably before therapy. I don't know if you remember this viral video of a little girl standing on an island in her bathroom on the countertop. Yes, I am strong. Saying, yes, she's like standing there, and I thought it was hilarious. And then later, when I talked to the therapist, she said, "You know, have you ever thought about doing that every morning?" Mm. Or, and this one's a little intimate. But before you get in the shower, like yeah. standing there and going, okay, I love my body because, you know, my body's a safe place for me. I'm comfortable in my body because, or I am strong. I am committed to working on my mental health. And at first I thought it was really silly, like just so silly. I'd wake up every morning and it's like when people say, say three nice things about yourself. You kind of just like rattle off the same three things. But I pushed myself to think of different affirmations to say every day. And I significantly notice a change in my mood and my outlook on things and my views on myself when I wake up and I practice mirror work. And it's not, it's almost like a skill set you have to intentionally mm -hmm. practice. And it's something that if I'm lucky enough to have kids one day, you best bet I'm going to have them stand on their, you know, bathroom counter and say, mm -hmm. You know, all these things that I think for some reason we get scared to say to ourselves. Yeah. But yeah, that's something that has always kept me centered. And so if you ever see me taking too long in the bathroom and on site, I'm probably like internally like <laughs> doing some mirror work. Doing some mirror work. That's awesome, Abby. I love that. <laughs> this one was a hard one to narrow down to one practice. Yeah. So micro habits is something that I have really employed, which is just very small, you know, five minutes or less daily uh, routines or activities that I do. So I have like a morning routine and an evening routine. And that definitely helps me just kind of mark my day. I have a little checklist and it's just so nice to be able to just like put a little check mark by something to be like, I accomplished this. So um, a lot of weeks it'll be just like brushing my teeth, flossing, loading the dishwasher, you know, those like kind of routine everyday little things. Uh, but then I also, I try to read in the morning for 20 minutes. I'll set a timer for 20 minutes and read. And if I have the capacity to go over that, then I'll keep going after. But at least 20 minutes, I try to do that. Um, in the evenings, I'm a big, I like a, a clean kitchen before going to bed. And I like the like all the throw pillows and blankets to be put back away so that in the morning, I also wake up earlier than my husband, so I have kind of morning solitude time. So that in the morning, I wake up and everything's just 
ready to go for the day? For me, I think it would be exercise. I knew um, that's what you were going to say. Yeah, I knew you knew that I was, was going to say. <laughs> I love so it. So I do, I do work out a lot, um, mm-hmm. and I've found that it has you know multiple impacts on me. So yeah. it, for one thing, it grounds me in the moment. Um, so my mind is a very busy mind. I'm always thinking of things Mm -hmm. and it will often wander and resort to problem solving, which it still does that during my workouts. You know, when I have time between my sets and things like that, I will still be in that problem solving mindset, but overall the practice, you know, once Mm -hmm. I get into the movement of a workout, that practice keeps me focused on the connection between my mind and my body. So it becomes... It becomes all about my breathing, the um, you know tension in my muscles, the movement of my joints, maintaining my form, and counting sets and reps and things like that. Um, so it's very meditative in that sense. And I think that exercise for me, because I didn't always work out. It's fairly recent. I've started kind of sporadically, um, but then I started developing a rhythm and consistency to it. And I think that has helped me develop and maintain discipline in my life, which is really what helps keep me centered, I think. So that's, that's kind of what I was talking about, where it has multiple impacts. It's kind of twofold there. Yeah. And so I'll stick to my workouts, just like I stick to other things in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'll allow myself space for forgiveness if I have some missteps. Mm -hmm. You know, if I have an off day in my workout, that's okay. It it was just one Mm -hmm. workout and my two years of nonstop workouts now. So it's, it's okay to have kind of a faulty day. It's okay to have those missteps. Um, mm-hmm. So just allowing myself grace. And when I allow myself grace, I can allow others grace. So I'm just kind of learning to accept myself, accept others, you know, do better next time, things like that. And mm-hmm. I'm always learning. So it's, it's very metaphorical. I guess you could say exercise in my life is metaphorical for a lot of other things. Yeah. It's just my approach to life in general, uh, practicing focus and discipline um, as best as I can, giving myself and others grace and putting in the work Mm. to see that desire change. So doing the work. Friends, as we wrap up this episode... I ask our team to share a few words with you. What do they want you to take away? What's the encouragement they want you to have? And what do they just want to remind you of today? And they all had something different to say, but I'll give them the gift of going second. And I will share that I hope today you are reminded that you are worthy, you are beautiful, you are capable, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with you. For so long in my life, I carried this belief that there's something wrong with me. I would be in the middle of a panic attack and I would say, something's wrong with me. And the more that I have leaned into self-compassion, the more that I've leaned into presence and the more that I've gotten to know who I am, I have come to believe that there's nothing wrong with me. And so I hope that you take that away today. Oh gosh, I guess I could say, you know, some of my affirmations to the listener. I wrote down my favorite ones, but... My favorite affirmations are, I am safe, I am powerful, and I'm committed to my personal growth. So take those, listener, (laughs) and apply those to your own life. (laughs) Yeah, just that if someone's listening and they're struggling with their mental health and Mm -hmm. feel like they're alone, they're not. 
Yeah. Uh, I love what you know ma major league sports are doing. I mean, all across celebrities, everyone's trying to bring a voice to this. And just, yeah. I would just want people to know they're not alone, that nothing's wrong with them, um, and that they've got a beautiful lifestyle ahead of them. Mm. Yes, I always want to leave some sort of encouragement for anybody. I think my encouragement would be to find a person, find somebody uh, or uh, something, even like your pet um, that you feel that you can share with. Sometimes I think just saying words out loud. For me, that's to a therapist um, that helps me, like I said earlier, kind of unpack things, unload things. But I know there's been days when, you know, all I could do was just have tears and just tell my dog like I love you and I'm so glad that I can give you a hug and just saying those things out loud um, are really beneficial for me so I would encourage somebody to try just saying things out loud even if it's to their pet or to an actual person I think today my encouragement would be you are probably doing better than you think you are I hope that this conversation has been enlightening, encouraging, empowering, and that maybe you feel a little bit less alone today. Mental Health Awareness Month, the theme, as we've said throughout this episode, is Together for Mental Health. So I encourage you to reach out to the people in your life and share, because I think that's one of the greatest ways to destigmatize mental health is to talk about it. So that is my charge for you today. As you go into the month of May, make it a priority to reach out, to talk to people, and have one conversation where we have shared vulnerability about what's really going on in our lives. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. 